Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. It's Fit Nation. i 
All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Misfit Nation. If you have not had the chance to check out our first book, 13-Step Guide to Success, it is available on Amazon in Kindle and paperback versions. If you're going through some hard times, you do not have to go alone. Phone a friend and chat it out. If you do not want to talk to a friend, if you feel like you're a burden or you're embarrassed, call the crisis hotline at 1-800-273-8255. If you're a veteran, press option one. Do not make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, we appreciate you joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast apps. Also, download the Military Broadcast Radio app to follow our family of shows and also subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Underscore Misfit Nation. This will keep you up to date with the latest episodes of The Misfit Nation and also allow you to hear the, the amazing stories of our guests. Speaking of which, our next guest is a former special operations uh, soldier and Warriors Heart co-founder. His service to our nation in the United States Army spanned nearly 21 years, 1990 to 2011. His military career included time with the 82nd Airborne as a Green Beret in the Army 7th Special Forces Group and ultimately in the U.S. Army's 1st Special Forces Operation Detachment Delta as an operator. Since retiring in 2011, he's become a su enabled, successfully enabled thousands of warriors to acknowledge their struggles, seek treatment, and understand that they are not alone. He has dedicated his life to healing fellow warriors and started Warrior's Heart as the first and only private addiction treatment center in the United States that is exclusively for military, veterans, and first responders. He speaks from the heart about personnel, about personally struggling with chemical dependencies, PTSD, and TBI, and more to help others. So without further ado, let's welcome to the Misfit Nation, Tom Spooner. How are you, Tom? I'm doing good, Rich. Thanks for having me. Uh, that's Happy great. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Uh, once I've seen uh, your your title on your bio, I said, I got to have this guy on here. He's <laughs> he's a brother. He's he's chewed a lot of dirt with a lot of my brothers. That I had brothers in both special, uh, in a seventh group and in a S5 Delta. Mm -hmm. So you probably knew both knew them and uh so I know you have that warrior's heart from there as well as what you do now. Absolutely. If you don't mind, Tom, tell us what led you to joining the military in the first place. I mean, usually it's a, either family family legacy or just, hey, I, I'm growing up uh, during the Cold War and I've seen some stuff on TV as a kid and I want to join the military too. So what was your military reason to join? Mine was uh, just like you had said, man, it's, uh, you know, everybody has a family business and it appears that uh, my family business <laughs> is uh, <clears throat> military and law enforcement, you know, and um, so uh, what I was at, what, who really inspired me to uh, join the military, uh, I mean, for all, I can't remember a time whenever I didn't want to join the military. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I that, my main motivators for that is, uh, I had a, my grandfather on my mom's side was a World War II veteran uh, in the Army in the Philippines and uh, during World War II. And then I had a uh, uncle of mine that was a three-tour uh, Vietnam vet. So those guys, you know, were, uh, th those were who I, you know, looked towards whenever it came to what it was like to join the military. So they were really my, uh, my inspiration. That's outstanding. You know, what brand, what did you go in as an infantryman or something else with 82nd? I did, man. I, uh, I came in in 1990, in the summer of 1990, and there wasn't anything going on when <laughs> I joined. And then uh, while I was at basic training, and that's when the Gulf War kicked off and everything. And, uh, and so I had, uh, I had already been to jump school. I went to jump school as a cadet whenever I was uh, pretending to go to ROTC. <laughs> uh, that's a whole other story. But uh, anyway, it was, um, 
Yeah, so I was, you know, in basic training that kicked off, uh, got orders right to the 82nd, came to Fort Bragg for about uh, two months, uh, as far not even, it was about a month and a half total, and then immediately deployed. So that was my introduction, you know, into the Army was like uh, basic AIT, and then get on a plane, go to Saudi Arabia, and then Iraq. Wow, what a welcome to the army there! That's great. Set the tone, you know. <laughs> At least you knocked out airborne before you had to go through basic and AIT, so you had a little break there in between AIT and going away. So you got to see somebody say hello and goodbye at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then I guess you did what a few years, became an NCO, then went to SF. Yeah, so I was a, I was an infantryman uh, in the eighty second, and then. Uh, and while I was in the 82nd, I was there from 90 to 95. And uh, every unit that I was in, uh, man, I loved it. Uh, like when I, I was in my five years in the 82nd, you know, I mean, I, uh, I mean, I was going to all the hard schools, went to Ranger School and all that stuff. So, I mean, I was very fortunate, you know, of, uh, of, of jump master, all of that stuff. So I was living kind of the good life, you know, as an E5 in the 82nd. And, um, and, uh, but then it was just for me, I always wanted to uh, like see what was next. Uh, the funny thing was, is I never, the only special operations I ever thought of and what I tried to, to join as was go to Ranger Regiment. And that's all I ever wanted to do, man, was be in the Ranger Regiment. Hilarious thing is that's the only unit that I didn't, not the only unit, but that's the unit I didn't get to go to. Right. <laughs> we all got recruiter stories, right? Right. So, I mean, you didn't touch that one, but you jumped over what people would say would be the stepping stone would be the Ranger Regiment for 82nd Ranger Regiment and then SF and then Delta. So you, you missed the one step there, the one you wanted to do actually the most. <laughs> but I'm not, I, I wouldn't take it back. You know what right. I mean? I had a good run. So, but it's just funny how things work out, you know, and you just gotta, you just gotta roll with it, man, make the best of it. And, you know, that's the beauty. That's the thing that I loved about being in the military also is, uh, there's always so much opportunity, you know, if, if you wanted to, if you wanted to go for it, you know, for something different or, I mean, still some of the best NCOs I had ever worked with, you know, were E7s that were in conventional army, you know, the whole, the whole time, you know, that's what I love about the military. It's got a spot for everybody. Right. Everyone has a place they can shine. Like you said, if you want to do something in the military, all you got to do really is ask. The worst they can do is say no. And uh, most times, that, like, like for you, I want to go SF. Yes, you can go. We're going to take you right now. Come on. You start working out with us for a couple of weeks, couple of days a week, a month, and we'll get you into team week. Let's go. <laughs> Knock you out there. So, I mean, uh, for the conventional side, all the schools that are there as well, if you don't want to, if you don't want to be in it, then you're not going to do it. You're just going to kind of drudge along through, the, through your career and be happy with what you're doing, I guess. Yeah. But, man, so, I was always – I was always a super lifer, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. From the moment I joined until every moment I was there, man, I, I loved, uh, I was good at it. Uh, I loved it. I mean, everything about, well, not everything about the military, right? Because we know there's a bunch of stupid shit. That goes <laughs> uh, but I mean, I, I, I loved it, man. I mean, the only reason, I mean, I ended up getting medically retired. Uh, but I had planned on like doing 30, you know, but uh, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I had a, I was, I was always that guy was like, it, it was a given if I was re-enlisting or not, you know, I just was figuring out what I was going to do along the way. And what, uh, what stage you're going to re-enlist on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I want to do it hanging out of a helicopter. I got it. You good. You got this. 
with my jump master. Let's do this. So it, was, it all comes down to the when when you could do it. Uh, so medical retired after 21 years is still still a good long ride at 21 years. And, and by that time, especially with all those things you were doing, I'm sure your body was telling you, giving you some signs along the way that hey, it might be time to to press pause or stop. Yeah, man, I ended up doing uh, 12 deployments and uh, had 40 total months time in combat. So wow, yeah, I, I had a. I had a good, and the majority of that was with the unit. So, I mean, it was really, really busy, but it was, to your point, yeah, it was uh, between broken back, back surgery, shoulder surgery, leg surgery, you know what I mean? The normal <laughs> kind of just getting scuffed up with, you know, that lane of the profession. And, uh, yeah, and then I got a TBI, and then I got, you know, a good amount of PTS cooking. And uh, so, yeah, it was, it was uh, time. It was time for me to go whenever I did. Yeah, I was told by my my first very first platoon sergeant when I was a, in, with the infantry at Fort Stewart. He told me, "You'll know when it's time to get out. Your body'll tell you, your mind'll tell you." And as uh, 2014 ran around, came around, I I got that all the signs came at one time. It was like a the shining light came together, a big explosion. Say, hey, it's time to hang up and let young guys do this. And it, one year later, I was out. So you you know the signs. Your body tells you. It's sometimes like you, you didn't want to end at that point, but you knew you had to. Oh yeah, man. And, and it was the best, you know, because I was, uh, I was becoming that guy. Uh, uh, the one that's like angry and like, this is all screwed <laughs> up and you're all screwed up and what's going on here. You know, I was just, but they, I mean, I realized that I was like, Oh damn, like I'm, I'm that guy now. Like I don't want to be, I don't want to go out like as that guy. So and like you said, it just all, you know, wrote everything out, talked to the wife, talked to, you know what I mean, just friends, you know, it was like everything added up. It's like, hey, man, it was a great run, an incredible run, and uh, but it's time to go, you know, it's uh, time to time to move on. Had no idea what that was going to look like, but I knew it was time to move on. You, know? <laughs> you, knew, you knew it was your time to hang up the boots and uh, let someone else pick up the, pick up the sword and go forward. I mean, for 21 years, you were jumping your whole career. That's that's a lot of taxing on your body right there. Even when you, you got to the unit and had actual good shoots, uh, it, it <laughs> right. still, it still was taxing on your body. And so it, you paid a, a hefty cost for your time. And we appreciate your service 21 years doing it. Um, thank you. And it's my pleasure, man. Every only thing I wish I could have done is more of it, you know? <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, I mean, that's why I took my, my day job. Now I train soldiers and then I do this at night for my, my side gig. So I still have a, my foot a finger on the pulse, but I don't have to stay overnight in the field. So it's good. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. So you got out 2011, you said you didn't know what it was going to look like. Yeah. How did you uh, come to the realization that, Hey, we need to get this thing started. Something that will help my brothers and sisters that are still serving those who served with me. And of course, first responders and start the warrior's heart. Yeah, man. So it, it started with uh, just a little bit of a rewind is uh, I have struggled with alcoholism at a young age, and uh, I ended up getting sober in 1992 uh, through 12-step program and, you know, uh, support group and all of that stuff. So I had been, uh, you know, not struggling with chemical dependencies or self-medication, you know, for a long time, which is the only reason why I survived there at the end, because I had that undiagnosed uh, traumatic brain injury, uh, and I had a, you know, a healthy dose of uh, post-traumatic stress and unprocessed trauma and all of that, just just because of the job and everything that, that we did, you know, and um, so the short version of that is, is that uh, 
through another warrior. You know, he was a, one of my best friends, which I was always honest with. Uh, the one guy, you know, that I was always honest <laughs> with. You know, he told me, it's like, hey, bro, you, man, you're screwed up. And I was like, everybody knows like me. And he's like, well, I don't know what to tell you, but I'm like, hey, you need to get some help. So uh, a bunch of different events happened. And uh, and I was, I, w- I was messed up pretty good. It was, uh, I was only working on 50% processing speed with my brain and 50% wow. of verbal memory. So a lot of an executive functioning uh, was not happening, you know, and uh, so, um, but the good thing was, is that, uh, you know, when I was going to get out and I was like, man, let me just attack this the way I would attack anything else, you know, so I went to cognitive therapy, vestibular therapy, psychological therapy, uh, even had to get on meds for a little while because I was chemically imbalanced for a little bit, just a light dose of Zoloft. And um, the thing about it was after about four months of hitting it super hard like that, I mean, I started getting better, you know, and uh, the game changer for me is that I wasn't struggling with the trifecta, you know, with that self-medication piece, because I, I really don't believe I would have made it. It's hypothetical, but I really don't. I know how hard it was. And so, um, like, getting back to the question as far as, so I had all of that going on. I had this super passion for, I mean, I was NCO, right? I mean, mission, health and welfare of the troops. So that's all I care about. That's all I want to care about. And um when I first got out, I didn't want to, I didn't, I was like, well, I'm just going to do what my resume supports, you know, and that was pistol, carbine, CQB, sniper. Uh, and 90% of that was with law enforcement, uh, probably from 2011 until uh, 2015, um, whenever we got the property for Warrior's Heart. So I immersed myself still with the, with uh, the culture, you know, I still really, uh, I needed to be around it. I didn't like miss going on hits with them. Like the course of course, they'd invite me. They're like, "Hey, come do a ride along and this." I'm like, "Nah, man, I'm I'm good." You know, I mean, I I I got all I needed. But I but I really enjoyed teaching. I knew uh, what I was. The stuff that I was teaching was uh, pretty gospel, much gospel. You know, I mean, it was all based off combat experiences, not theories, and. Um, so I mean, and I knew I was giving back right to the next generation because that's what the first thing I had to get over was that uh, is that I didn't die, you know, because I fully expected to, to die. And and this is how far I I mean I didn't have a death wish or anything like that, but somewhere along the line I just had kind of conceded that, you know, hey, just statistically, you know what I mean, the numbers are going to catch up, and uh, and I was okay with it, you know, with the mission that we were doing. Uh, and who I was doing it with, you know, if that came, I was fine. But I didn't even know what E8 pay made at as a <laughs> retirement. <laughs> I didn't have a plan, you know what I mean? It was like, it was like, I got a plan together, you know, like I said, to teach. And then my passion though was always to help and got really involved in veteran suicide, you know, and uh, help create mission 22. And uh, so I, I was just because like to your point of the why, uh, which is super important is, is like, man, I knew how hard I struggled. Uh, and when I say struggled, like obviously just in the struggle, trying to get better and, and heal. And, but also, man, it was a, uh, it was 2010, 11 timeframe. I, I had to fight to get help, you know, and yep. I had people, organizations like the care coalition, like, I mean, I came from, you know, an elite organization where a bunch of people were wanting to help me, right? I mean, people were wanting to help me. And all I could think of is like, hey, man, what is that conventional 
military guy or gal that on their first deployment got blowed up, you know, and then next thing you know, they got medically discharged out of the army after a year or two in, like who's helping them? Like I, so I just couldn't imagine well, it, uh, I could imagine it, but it, it didn't set well with me to not do something about it. You know, like I said, I had a passion, especially on the self-medication side of helping uh, folks out. And then, um, and then in 2013, on a on a on a gig, I call it a fun and gun. Uh, <laughs> but it was basically, uh, you know, I was just trying to pay the bills, and uh, we were working with an organization called the YPO, Young Presidents Organization, and put on this three-day event and uh, it was pretty, it was pretty tough event. And, uh, but I met this guy named Josh Lannon. Uh, I didn't know the dude, there we were in the woods of Hoffman, North Carolina, you know, outside of Camp McCall, just putting on a course and come to find out that he was, uh, you know, for 15 years, he had run private, you know, drug and alcohol rehabs, you know, in six different locations. And, uh, and he wanted the seventh one to be, uh, uh, you know, for veterans only, you know, a veteran healing center. So it's like, well, I'm, I'm kind of into that, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so, um, uh, and so anyway, that uh, they had a lot of business stuff that was going on. Uh, so just fast forward, but we decided then it's like, hey, let's do it, you know, but meanwhile, I'm still trying to pay the bills and just keep chugging along. They were selling their other business and uh, him and his wife, Lisa Lannon, their husband and wife, team and um and so uh shortest version of the story is is uh 2015 we drew everything up uh we found the property uh we acquired the property and then april of 2016 we were licensed and we opened up and from april 2016 till today we've had just have we have just had over 1800 warriors come through uh come through warriors heart that's a pretty good number in just a, what six years on just exactly six years yeah yeah that's that's a, a lot to help that's a pretty good anniversary number 1800 uh warriors that have been helped and pushed into a better place in their in their lives to be successful not just uh as an outgoing person but for to be a better member of society at that point too because they're able to produce a little more and uh give positivity back and stuff like that. So that, that's a great thing that you guys have started there. Thank you, man. Yeah, we're super, super proud of it. I mean, I, uh, uh, I'm, I'm obviously pretty into it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I see the drawing behind you on the wall there, the Warriors yeah. Heart emblem. That's pretty awesome. I like the, I like the logo. It's a, it resonates with a, a lot of people. I think with the warrior, the W of the warrior going through the hearts of Warriors Heart. And uh, that, that really helps out the, I guess it's welcoming to the veteran or the first responder that comes in there to see that sees a sense of I'm part of this organization now. So I can go in there and hang out in Bandera, Texas and, and get better and uh, find a way to heal. Cause uh, to your point, uh, like on your side of the fence, you had a stat, a, a staff of people who wanted to help you on the other side. It's, it's a lot different. And uh, I know I came home from my third deployment and, you know, go through that reintegration and, the first thing they told me was, "Hey, you're a sergeant first class. You don't need help. Get back in line." Exactly. I said, right? "I said what? I said I'm asking for help. No, you're good. Get back and lead. It's all right. Two bags full. I'm out of here." Yeah. <laughs> and and that's uh and I, and I, that was me as a sergeant first class. I know it was happening for the E4 and below a lot more than that too because they needed the numbers. They had to have those numbers to keep going back into the gym 
and go back out on, on the next plane. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, what what you have started here in Texas for six years now, it, I'm sure you're getting a lot of uh, high fives from uh, warriors that go through there or organizations uh, that are out there also sending veterans to you as they seem like maybe Wounded Warrior or even the VA, do they recognize and send people to you to get help? They do. Yeah, we have, uh, currently we probably have about uh, 12 active duty here also. Oh, wow. So yeah, so we have active duty folks, but then because um, we're TRICARE certified, yeah, we're in contract and certified with the VA or TriWest and um, as far as in this region and then uh, all the other insurance companies. And then we, like you said, we also have all the organizations uh, that if they, we have some that folks that are struggling with, uh, especially on the self-medication piece of it, you know, and because um, there's not a lot of places that do what we do. And that is, is we treat uh, the self-medication piece or chemical dependency uh, and the trauma at the same time, because uh, that was one of the, there's nothing that we don't, do out here that hasn't come from my own personal lessons learned you know and and what i found going through lack of better words the system you know right. whether on active duty or um in the veteran space is is that you know, they silo everything off you know hey go over here for your tbi hey go over here for your pts hey go over here if you're struggling with chemical dependencies but i mean i'm one person you know right. uh, it just doesn't even though it's convenient, you know what I mean, to be, you know, very specific, you know, it, it doesn't, uh, it's not optimal. I won't say that it doesn't work, but, uh, but it was, it is not optimal, you know, so, because a lot of times, you know, they'll say, well, is it the unprocessed trauma that brings about the, the drinking and the drugging, or is it the drinking and the drugging that brings up the unprocessed trauma? It's like, well, who cares, man, just treat both of them, and then, <laughs> And then whichever one, you know, was in the lead, like, <laughs> you know, and um, so that's, that's one thing that we're super proud of doing here, because when we created Warrior's Heart, it wasn't just about like a better widget or, you know, something that was just a little bit better or a little bit different. I mean, we occupied this space that didn't exist. Like I said, we're the, still the only one in the nation that serves only this population. There's a lot of places that have a veteran track or you know a law enforcement track but really you know but you can't get that peer network that it, we know how powerful is unless you have the same peer group that's in there you know because right. it wasn't about being uh, who's better who's lesser who's higher who's lower it has to do with um, like a law enforcement officer sitting next to a drug dealer they're not going to have a peer network you know, uh, oh. you got a combat veteran sitting next to a business guy, even though we need to do the same things to get better. I mean, we may be friendly and, and kind to one another, whatever, but we're not going to have a, a, bond, a common bond, you know. So whenever you have this population, so many things that that we know just occur naturally. Uh, you know, a lot of people talk about mentorship and like, we don't have to talk about that. Like, it, it occurs in our population. If you see the new guy come in, hey, bro, let me tell you, this is what's happening. Let's, you know I mean? They immediately start assisting one another. Everybody has bad days and good days. And um, and keeping that peer network the same, man, it's, uh, 
it's unsaid. I mean, it's just our culture. Right. And when you have that, that network of people, like-minded people or like brain people that you, you've served with or have gone through similar things, you have a tendency to want to succeed with them and have both of you succeed and push each other to that finish line and be successful in life as you go through it. Yeah. And you yeah. know, it, it takes one of us to check one of us. Right. You know, because uh, <laughs> I can have a doc or somebody else, you know, I mean, say, you know, yapping at me all day long and I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, whatever. I don't really <laughs> care, you know, and uh, however, if you're looking at me in my eyes and you're like, hey, bro, that's some, you know, like, what are you doing? You know, and, and it's like, I have to, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a check, you know, and, uh, and that's with any population, whether you're a group of doctors or a group of, you know what I'm saying? If right. you're around the, like you said, the like-minded folks and, and even though a, uh, you know, a combat veteran in a stateside EMT, their physical experiences might be very different. The things that are eating us up inside are exactly the same, man. You yeah. know, it's the loss of loved ones. It's the loss, you know, I mean, of the innocence. It's, you know, I mean, it's always the same kind of things, you know. So the things that we bond on, I mean, we have all the relatable stories, you know, that go together. But when it comes down to the things that are really that we'll call it need to be worked on and processed and gone through, I mean, it's all the same, you know. Definitely. And uh, earlier you said you uh, started Mission 22. Uh, my buddy George, who's on episode two of the Misfit Nation, he called me last week, and uh, knowing my motto is challenge accepted, he he threw a ch- he threw a challenge out to me to ruck ruck march from St. Louis to Fort Campbell to the division headquarters here. Over he wanted to do it in three days. I had to explain to him that's a lot of miles per day, but I didn't give him an answer right away because he already knew my answer, so I didn't really have to tell him the answer. But Saturday I actually gave me answer. Yeah, we're going to do this. Uh, so it's better for us to do this in the cold month. Let's do it in December. He told me it's too cold in December. So we're going to do it after November, after Thanksgiving Day. We'll do the, that Friday. So on Black Friday, we'll start our walk from uh, the Arch back to Fort Campbell to the division headquarters to raise awareness for the 22 and uh, and for all veterans issues, uh, suicides, mental health crises, homelessness, underemployment, uh, and just uh, the what was me, the, a lot of the guys who feel they're broken because they've been told they're broken, but they're not really broken. They just need a little, a little push, a little tweak to get them better. And so we're going to do that to, as our little piece uh, and try to raise money along the way. That is incredible, man. It's probably going to be painful, but we're going to do it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> It'll absolutely be painful, but, hey, that's the only thing that makes it worth it, right? Yeah, it's 242 miles of uh, us talking crap to each other since he's a he's a Greenside Navy guy. So we'll be right. talking Army against Marines, Army against Navy the whole way. <laughs> it's like our normal day for the two of us, but this time we'll be walking for a very, very long time. That would be an incredible event. Yeah, I'm hopefully uh, live stream most of it via the, via my podcast and via other networks. So where people driving by us, giving us high, giving us the thumbs up, or we're yelling at us to get out of the way, it'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, as part of the treatment plan, is there is there a mixture of uh, physical, spiritual, spiritual, mental kind of uh, training that they they go through to get through it? Absolutely, man. And the uh, the number one thing that so two two main things that happen, of course, there's a lot, but it's, uh, the first thing is, is whenever, uh, the guys and gals, you know, whenever they show up here, uh, the first thing from all the staff, from all the folks for the first few days is that, is they get welcomed home, uh, they get said, welcome home. And it's, uh, cause we know, even though we're physically, 
here, you know, a lot of times, especially the folks that are come here, you know, mentally, emotionally, they're not, you know, and uh, so it's a uh, very meaningful, it's very impactful, especially when it's, you know, uh, coming from your own. And um, so there's that piece and, and everything that we do out here is meant to do one thing and that's to remind them of who they are, not who they're not, you know, because, uh, the folks, when they come, when they come to us, you know, I mean, uh, they're at the bottom uh, that they've ever been in their lives. And so, um, you know, and that's all that they see and it's all around and it's very real and it's very truthful. And uh, however, weren't always like that. You know, most of the folks that end up on this side of the house were top performers in whatever right. field they came from. So everything that we do is, is just about reminding them, hey, that, remember who you are, right. you know, that, this is just where you're at right now, you know, and to your point, and, and, and we don't do anything here militaristic at all, uh, because who wants to do that? You know? <laughs> it's, uh, Get flashbacks. But it, but, it has, but it has that flow and it has that rhythm, you know, as far as like, hey, um, first meetings at zero seven, you know, accountability meeting, like, okay, got it, morning meeting, child's at 730. All right, hey, yoga's at 830 or nature walk, you know, uh, Hey, at 10 o'clock is first class, you know, 12 o'clock is chow, you know, 1300 to uh, 1700 is metal shop, wood shop, art, more gym time, uh, canine, you know, and then 1700 is chow, 1800 to get the phones, get to 1900, final class, and then uh, lights out by 2300, you know, and so, so it's got that familiar rhythm that that everyone's gone to an academy or a basic training or something. It's not like basic training. It's that, it's that. Everybody's got that. It's very familiar, you know, so, so just kind of start picking up on it, you know, it's just kind of like, okay, yeah, uh, it's, this is familiar, you know, and that's the intent of it. And, uh, but we do a lot of the, you know, cause uh, we do a lot of post-traumatic stress, moral grief and injury, you know, all of that kind of stuff out here. And, um, the thing is, is that, you know, uh, like with PTS, for an example, um, you know, there, there's two categories for that, you know, and that's victims and volunteers. And, uh, you know, a lot of folks experience PTS because they have been victimized by some, you know, they got attacked, they got, whereas, you know, we volunteered to put right. ourselves in that position it's the same kind of trauma, you know what I mean? Like, hey, it's still post-traumatic stress. It's still unprocessed trauma. However, the approach is much different. If you come at to me like I'm a victim, like that's not gonna, not, that's not gonna last very long, you know. But you approach me as a volunteer, like hey, you volunteered to put yourself in this situation to receive this kind of trauma. Hey, let's approach it from this way, you know. So. So just the way that we approach things and the way that, um, you know, like, like I said, we have all the different, we do a bunch of hard work, uh, whether it's a lifeline, whether it's doing one-on-one -on -one therapies, whether it's in group, you know what I mean? We're getting at that stuff that we don't like talking about, <laughs> you know, that we prefer not to ever talk about it. However, you know, that's not, that, that's not working anymore. You know, we're not asking anybody to give up anything that's working for them. Uh, just the things that's not working for them. And, uh, but we, we balance that out, you know, with, with that hard emotional work with some letting off steam, you know what I mean? Whether that's 
pounding out a tomahawk, you know, art nice. there, you know, uh, forging that piece, doing some artwork, working with the canines, more gym time. Because, you know, we can't just stay in there. We got to have, and, and, and all that creativity, you know, I mean, we all know how good creativity is for the brain, but it's also good for what we're trying to do with our lives, you know, which is build something instead of destroying it, you know. So everything that we do just ties into them, um, you know, getting healthy. And that's one of the mottos we have is strength through healing. You know, because we all want to be strong, you know what I mean? And the, how we get strong now is like, hey, let's let's heal up some of this stuff that that's worthy of healing. And uh, it's not a weakness, you know, that's a that's a strength, you know. Definitely. And I think the way you guys have it set up, the structure, like you said, that brings the familiarity to to those who are in service, or even first responders, they have structure, too. And they got to have a routine. And I think that routine or structure helps them in their healing process because, they know each part of the day is check marks. They get everything done and they look forward to certain parts. I'm sure one day they look forward to something more than the other. Like you said, we don't all like to share in the group. We all don't like to go, <laughs> go to the ugly parts and say things. But the things after that, like you said, making a tomahawk or hanging out with the canines, working with the canines, those things give them a release that helps them get that other part out of there. Absolutely, man. And like you said, it was... Uh... And it goes back to that that bond, you know what I mean? We we went through all that stuff together. It just makes sense that okay, we'll we'll heal together also. Right. It's a proven tactic, you know. <laughs> we stay together and we look out for each other's back. If we call each other on on like hey, what needs called on, and uh, you know, with the intention of just getting stronger and getting better, and you know, and getting back into the stream of life. I mean. That just makes a lot of sense, you know. It, yeah. It's not, it's not a anything uh, complex. <laughs> not reinventing the wheel, so it's good. <laughs> oh. How can someone, uh, I guess, donate time or efforts to help you guys out? And the 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 biggest thing, and I always say this: the biggest thing is promotion. And what I mean is just uh, just talking about it. You know, if you've heard us on this podcast or people run into it, like do a little research on it and, um, and anything that you can do to help get the word out as far as uh, whether sharing on social media or just having conversations or just knowing that it exists, you know, because because uh, a lot of the folks, at least 50% of them, you know, that come out here, you know, they didn't know about us until that last, that last moment, you know, where it was like so-and-so, the family member, somebody helped them out and uh, you know, I'm got him there. So that's the first thing that I would say was always is the anything that you could do to help promote would just be amazing. Awesome. And you said, I know you said uh, Tri-West is accredited you. Does all the, the TriCare regions uh, accept you and would they be willing to send someone from all over the country there? They, that is correct. Especially okay. on TriCare. We're not in, um, so TriCare East and West is broken down into and, and we're, we're, we're certified for both of those okay. in the East region. When it comes to Tri-West, which is uh, the VA's kind of insurance aspect of it on the VA side, we're in network with Tri-West. Uh, but then um, the, on the East Coast, there's they break it out a little bit different. But I know that there's been many a veteran that like, uh, if they make enough noise and advocate for themselves strong enough, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they, they, that, that, yeah, but that's a... Uh, the bad thing is, is that 
I mean, I'll never talk bad about the VA. You know, I mean, there's a bunch of incredible people that are that are trying to do the best they can. It's just an overwhelmed system, you know. Yes. And um, you know, and and like I said, I'll never talk bad about any of that that's going on. Uh, I've got some opinions, like we all do, but I just always remember the the human beings that are working in there tirelessly to help out. You know what I mean? Veterans. It's just it's a good deal. But yeah, but then we. Sorry for the long answer to the question. Yes, to the VA. It was a good answer all the way. It worked out. You got it right. And I, I'm on the same boat with you with, with the VA. There's just another profession that's trying to do their job the best they can with what they have. And and as the population grows, the veterans, because you know people are aging a lot more now. Uh, I think uh, the longevity now is a lot longer than it was 50 years ago when the VA was thought of, and they haven't really evolved to keep up with the that longevity, especially with the the thousands, hundreds of thousands of veterans coming out of this new era on top of the Vietnam era, on top of what's left of the Korean War era. It's hard to keep up with all that, and at some point it will it all come to a full circle and they'll catch up and get overwhelmed again. So it's a never-ending cycle. But, Glad they're there, and I'm hopefully it's better now than it was for our dads and uncles in Vietnam. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely true. So, Tom, how does someone get in contact with you to either a uh, become a a guest at the Warrior's Heart, or b to have you or your co-founders on their shows and talk about uh, all the great things we talked about? And the uh, so for the potential clients, the folks that are interested, or if they just have questions about a friend, you know, yeah. <laughs> I've seen that on, <laughs> but also with the family members and stuff. So if, if you go to warriorsheart.com, um, that's where the website, and it's got all the information on there, but also what's on there is a phone number. Uh, and that phone number is to our admissions advocates. And we call them advocates because that's what they do. As soon as, as soon as you call whoever you are, whether it's a family member or a friend or someone who's seeking help i mean if any questions that you have about whatever it is like immediately they'll immediately start giving you answers to that question and um and they immediately start advocating for the warrior that's on the other end of the line or the family member or friend because a lot of times that's who it is you know and um so that's um that's the best way to do it is to go to the website warriorsheart.com awesome Tom, thanks for taking some of your time this evening to hang out with us and uh, share with share your story with the Misfit Nation. Rich, thank you for having me. And any, I'll be happy to come on anytime you'd like. Awesome. I'll probably reach out to you during my 242-mile march to, to tell you how bad it is and make you laugh. That, that sounds like you're telling me how sore your feet are. <laughs> Outstanding. Thanks, Tom. Have a good night. You too, Rich. Just stay away If you ain't got anything good to say Then shut your mouth I got my windows down And my blinders on Radio set to my favorite song All green lights on the road I'm on and there ain't no
got a good girl, she got a good smile. I kiss a good morning, I kiss a good night. We keep it on the up, that's how we get down. So don't be coming around, unless you got them good vibes. I'm living this good life, I'm breathing on God's time. And I ain't gonna waste one breath, I'm soaking it
You know how we do this. Thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on Fit Nation. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible. If you want to, please become a supporter to help us carry this thing on. We appreciate you. If you know someone that brings that energy, has a great story, is an up-and-comer in any industry of music, in the arts, have them reach out to us on TheMisfitNation.com. We will get back to them within one day and get them on here so they can share their story with the world. As always, till next time, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. Because we are Fit Nation.